Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to Mormons on Mushrooms podcast. We have so much fun recording it. And if you love it, we would absolutely love it if you could leave a review on wherever you get your podcasts. It would really help our visibility so more people can listen to it and be enlightened and hear our crazy stories. So thanks again for tuning in. Psychedelics, meditation, dream analysis, breath work, yoga, and weed. Finally, a podcast where two recovering Mormons, excuse me, two recovering Latter-day Saints, explore the pursuit of higher consciousness while healing from toxic religious shame. Welcome to Mormons on Mushrooms. Before you got on, I had asked Shalice if she still has ever had a drink, and she has not. Her 30th birthday is this Saturday. At some point, when the universe and stars align, we, we need to buy her a shot or something like that. We do. Well, yeah. I don't want to push it on you, though. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. yeah. We, yeah. Oh, right. I mean, my family's been trying to get me to drink since my 18th birthday. They're like, come on, Shalice. I'm like, no thanks. Um, my mom just told me the other day, she was like, yeah, when we went to Ireland for your birthday, which that's what was like my 21st birthday is going to Ireland with my mom. Like, that's how much I don't like partying. <laughs> um, she was like, yeah, I was hoping so bad that you would have your first drink. And they, they gave us like a free birthday shot. And I was like, here you go, mom. <laughs> I don't want it. And your mom is cool. Like she like, sits you down to tell you that she's not wearing her garments anymore, not going to the temple. She's trying to push shots on you on your 21st birthday in Ireland, by the way. That's awesome. She's all about it. (laughs) I saw her in your Sedona videos. She's fun. Yeah, Yeah. she's a lot of fun. And I did, I was the bad, not bad influence, but in her eyes, getting her to do mushrooms, which she did like 40 years ago. But um, yeah, she was so nervous, but she took such a light dose that... Uh She was like in and out. So she, um, you know, was like, oh, I just, my mind was racing. And I'm like, it's because you didn't take enough to completely get rid of the mind. You have to get rid of the mind and then uh-huh. you enjoy like what's happening. So maybe next time. Yeah. Well, that's, it'd be a dream of mine for my parents to do mushrooms with me, especially my dad. Can you imagine my dad? I, I would love to, <laughs> I would love to hold space for your dad to just uh, get completely tripped out on mushrooms. He'd have to take enough though that that mind, I mean, his mind, yeah, first would just accelerate it and then, but he would need to shut that off. But yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was good. Any other, any other little tidbits before we jump in, jump in? Can I just talk about Pleiadians just for one minute? Yeah. <laughs> I, thought that might be, I thought that might be the first topic. Okay. I just want to get in real quick and I'll try to be quick about it. So oh. 
when I was editing that last episode, I remember you mentioned star seeds uh-huh. and I was like, and it resonated so much with me with my ayahuasca trip. And I'm like, okay, I have to look into this again. Cause in my ayahuasca trip, there was a large portion where, especially after I'd purged the ancestral trauma that I was this being that, and that we in the group, especially Doug was one of these beings that we'd come to earth we were these beings of like light and love and to help people awaken. But we're also, there was like a playfulness and maybe, I don't know if devious is the right word, but definitely like a mischievous, like mischievous maybe, you know? Yeah. There's a little bit of a dark side, but not like really, it was just kind of like a mischievous, you know, we like to kind of interfere, but also we're here to help the world awaken. And I didn't really know what to make sense of that. Um, and then I started looking into star seeds <laughs> And this is blowing my mind. So a couple of things. So after this, so at one point in the ceremony, I remember kind of looking down because I was like, we came down to earth and I get why now and it earth, earth and COVID and accounting and finance and production costs all like (laughs) felt like a dream, right? This funny, this funny, crazy dream. Yeah. (laughs) But then I'm like, when I go back there, I'm going to think it's the reverse. I'm going to get lost in that dream again. So I was kind of trying to set markers to like help me. And one of the things I was doing was like this with my hands, kind of like this. And a week after the ceremony, uh, my wife and I were watching TV and I I must've been feeling anxious about work or something. And I was kind of going like this and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, uh, I don't know. (laughs) She's like, you keep doing that. Ever since your ayahuasca ceremony, you keep, you know, putting your fingers together and doing the symbol. And I'm like, oh, I have. And then I remember that that's what I was doing when I was telling myself, you're going to go back to the dream and you're going to forget it. Right. But part of it, I feel like was like, when I do this, it makes my fingers long. And so it's like, remember your long, these aren't your real fingers here. Remember what your real fingers look like. Yeah. Yeah. Holy smokes, man. And then, so ever since my wife and I started doing mushrooms, we keep getting this sense that like we come from the same place and we were like best buddies there. And we decided, you know, if you're going to do earth, she blames it on me. She's like, if you're going to do earth, like I need you with me, you know? And because we're going to be there and be like these empathic beings and going to soak everything up like a sponge. And we need, and that's what my ayahuasca ceremony Boney was about when Doug I sense you were this being and I sense my wife she was supposed to be in the ceremony but she wasn't and I didn't get it but that's because you know like there was I don't know there's some reason but to wrap this all up the other thing I was, so I started reading about star seeds right and about the uh Palladian ones who are very empathic uh soak everything up like a sponge everything was just resonating with me so much well for most of my time with my wife, she has been fascinated by this star cluster in the sky. And it's in the Taurus constellation. She's a Taurus, but she was fascinated before she knew it was part of that Taurus constellation. Nice. And to the point where, you know, we joke about it now, but I don't know if joke's the right word, because we, we kind of laugh at because it sounds ridiculous. But she'll, when she sees it, sometimes she'll go out there and be like, oh, my buddies are up there. I'm talking to my family. Well, I was looking at the, the Pleiadians, 
that's their star cluster. Whoa. Holy smokes, really? Yeah, and that's when I almost dropped my phone. I was reading about it. <laughs> that, reading about the Pleiadians, and it's like, oh, and they come from the Pleiades star cluster, which is in the Taurus constellation. It's that cluster of stars. And I was like, okay, maybe there's something, maybe there's something to all this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think, I don't remember if I mentioned it in our first one, but like when I looked down at my hands, my fingers were extra long. And I you remember- did, You did mention that, yeah. You did mention that. Maybe that's why I kind of thought about that. And that, yeah. I was like, what? And I've seen it in multiple meditations too, when they're like a silvery color. And so, um, and I didn't know what Pleiadians were when I- saw my hands that way so i just thought like this is interesting but then later when i was looking into it i was like wait a sec wait a sec <laughs> oh man guys <laughs> what if we were all from there and here we are now here we are yeah. i mean i think that there's a good chance and i've heard this from multiple people too that we're kind of a, a mixture of different um energies uh-huh. that all like one different or one thing but really, everyone on Earth is a starseed because humans are like a, a created organism. Like we we're not we live on Earth, but it's not like our home. Like the Earth is basically just a petri dish to test a bunch of stuff and theories. And humans were literally genetically engineered to be humans. So like all of us come from something else. It's just about connecting with that. And if it resonates, it resonates. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Like. But it is cool to find that type of energetic signature. And like one thing happened with me, um, I went to Life is Conscious Expo, which you guys would love, especially because you're just now getting into it. It's like your brain will explode. You go. Um, But I was doing a guided meditation there and I popped into a past life and then I came out and I journaled a bit and the name Andromeda came up and I was like, that's a really pretty name. Maybe I'll name my kid that one day. And then I went downstairs and I ended up doing a reading with someone. She was like glowing. I passed her booth and I was like, that chick is legit. I just knew it. So I went up to her and one of the first things that she started talking about was, oh, I'm getting a strong sense that you're from Andromeda. And I was like, that's a place. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> like not even 10 minutes ago, I wrote that in my notebook. Like, it's so crazy. If you just kind of tune into it, things will start happening. Man, that, yeah, that's wild. This weekend, uh, it's funny we're talking about this because one of the people I was tripping with asked, uh, he asked the drummer, I, I'm going to be careful with names here, you know, but he asked the drummer if he was an alien and the drummer like pauses for a second and he looks around the room and he goes, well, I feel like I can make a strong case that we're all aliens. So I don't know how to answer that question. And we were all like, dude, that's exactly what a fucking alien would say. That's the exact answer an alien would give to that question. (laughs) And that's what's so great about, you know, getting out of that tunnel vision of heaven and hell, because it just, it opens everything up to wait, maybe there's other places we can come from and maybe where we are, we're not all just chilling in this like heaven bubble for time and all eternity. Like, you know, it just makes so much more sense that there's other options, other galaxies, other dimensions, um, other timelines that we can jump into rather than just being one place forever as the same person, right. (laughs) With your same family forever it's like that doesn't make sense <laughs> it, yeah and and you think about it like it opens up the possibilities of our existence to such a broader 
you know, spectrum than this like tiny little uh, bubble where, you know, God created the earth. And then, you know, you have the Genesis story and all that kind of stuff. And we just have this plan of salvation where our goal is to, I mean, now I'm going to get into like, maybe there's something to Mormonism because suddenly it occurred to me, like (laughs) the idea of like, then becoming a God, becoming like God and like, sure, I don't know. Well, but I don't want this to be on record. So whichever one of us edits this thing, cut out what I just said, because I don't like that being recorded, (laughs) to be honest with you. What I was going to say about that is I've gotten that a couple of times on mushrooms and also on ayahuasca. So once I was thinking, we're these beings and we came down, I'm like, it's like Mormonism. But it's so not. <laughs> it's like they have a, an idea of that. But, you know, we're not these beings that are like, we're in this like weird Buck Rogers sort of heaven. And we're like, let us go down. I will go down, Jehovah. Yes, we're not. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. We're these beings and we're dark and we're light and we like to play. And but we like to be, you know, we're, we're trying we're, we're trying to bring forth more light. But we're also in touch with our darkness. As yeah. beings, right. We're trying to get in touch with both because that's. That's, that's it. I don't know. So it was like it had a shell of, I think, truth to it. But when you look inside, it's it's not. I don't know. I mean, this is my theory. When we're talking about J-Dog, okay, he was all about the mystic guards. He was about, like, treasure hunting and using stones. Like, I Divination, mean, yeah. like a Wiccan. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So, okay, so let's just run with the idea that he actually was in tune with something that he he did have some sort of visions or whatever and maybe he well he took it too far and made it an mlm but (laughs) but let's just like run with the idea that he was channeling some information you know he channeled if channeled or plagiarized or whatever he did the entire book of abraham which is the book that talks about the levels of heaven now, there are levels when we're talking about dimensions, right? Like third, mm-hmm. fourth, fifth, sixth, up to 12. So it's not that it's completely wrong. It's just misguided and tunnel visioned and cut off to where there are more than just three levels of heaven. There's, you know, because if you consider dimensions a type of heaven, you could say that he was partially right in that sense, but he just didn't have it all the way figured out. So I think it's possible to say that there are a lot of things in Mormonism that have some clout and and understanding to it, but they just don't continue. They just stop at like um, just a level where everyone's like, nope, that's definitely it. That's all we got. (laughs) Like two inches deep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's so funny that you say that because I I swear I'm going to stop talking about the first vision every time we get together. But like, if you think about the imagery from the first vision, so Shalice, you're talking about how Joseph Smith was into the occult and maybe he had some kind of psychedelic or something like that. Like talking about like this, think about all the imagery you've seen from that, like paintings and stuff, the pillar of light and these two personages are descending. That sounds a lot like aliens descending in a beam from a spaceship and not so much like God appearing to, you know, humankind. Right. Totally. I'm I'm in. I'm in for that. Chalk me in to Joseph Smith doing mushrooms. I just think it's it's totally possible that he was connected in some way, but he just kind of distorted it. And not only just him, because, you know, most of the distortion happened long after he died. And so it's possible that he really was onto something and then 
you know, Brigham Young took over and that was just shit show. We can all agree on that. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, can we decide when you, when, a, when you pick a tyrant to rule you or it, I don't know if they picked him, but uh, yeah, things are going to get ugly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a good point. Like, and it, shaky on the, they picked him. I mean, he kind of just like, it was like a coup d'etat. Like he just took control. There was all these other folks trying to take control and Brigham was like, the biggest bully i guess he was the biggest asshole so everybody like he got to be in charge yeah Man. it's definitely interesting to think about well can i tell you guys about my trip uh this weekend yeah, yeah I'm super excited to hear about it well lo- lower your expectations it's just weird <laughs> bullshit. bullshit it's just some oh, weird like <laughs> yeah i guess vulnerable stuff or like stuff i'm not ready to quite so this has happened to me a couple of times where I have this same type of experience and the same type of imagery that, that sort of appears when I'm in that state. And I'm going to try to paint this picture for you. So it's a, there's like a secluded cosmic forest or woods in the middle of that woods. There's a twisted, knotty, spiraling, almost dead looking tree that's on a slant. And at the very top of that tree is an ancient cottage or cabin. I'm loving this. Like it's like dream imagery here. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm aware of this. I'm aware of it when I'm in that state, I'm aware of that in that, that cottage. And I'm also aware that inside of that cottage is the entirety of existence. And I know that that's a little bit of a, a paradox because I'm speaking of imagery from outside of the, of the cabin, but I'm just, there's something in me that I'm aware that all of existence is in there mm-hmm. and I'm afraid of it. it I, I'm, I'm very afraid to go in there because, well, I don't know how to answer the question. Why am I afraid to go in there? Just, I know that there's something in there that I'm not ready for, or I don't want to deal with, or I'm not ready to handle but I've also been in it, which is another fucking mushroom paradox. I've also been in it and inside of that cabin, it's uh, very rustic wood everywhere, dimly lit, uh, a little fire going and everyone in there represents everyone who has ever existed in the universe, but they're all in, in a, in an archetype, like a Jungian archetype. It sounds like the Akashic. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know the word you just said, so I'm ready for you to give me information about that. Uh, I just said yes, but just because I've been looking at that word all day, but I don't know why you made that parallel, but I'm like, yes, Akashic, let's talk. (laughs) It's like a little mini definition and then you can continue, but it just sounds exactly like that. So the Akashic is basically, um, a space of records and it's it's not a physical place it's like a dimension that you can go to in meditation and literally everyone has an akashic records even like your house has an akashic records it's like anything that ever will happen is happening or is going to happen is in those records and you can go up and they can ask questions and you can receive answers and guidance and you'll only be given or shown the answers that will help you in your journey now not too much not too little 
So it's like a really beautiful way to go ask questions and um, explore your possibilities or your paths. So the way that you described it is like exactly what the Akashic is and and people can go there. I've been there. I've been to my own and I was like, what? This is insane. Um, But anyway, continue. Well, I got to. I got to look into that some more because I, I literally did some internet research using keywords from this hallucination to try to figure out what it is. So, okay. So I'll continue. So it, afraid to go into the cottage, but also uh, simultaneously I am in the cottage and I am uh, playing a part. Like I, I represent one of the archetypes within that cottage and, and it's almost like when I'm in my trip state, I, I don't want to close my eyes for fear that I'll go too far in and I'll be, um, I'll face some stuff that I don't want to face. That's like some truths that are inside of that cottage. So I keep my eyes. I, I, Shalise, one thing you should know about me is that every time I trip, I stay very low to the ground and there, there's multiple reasons for that. I'm a, I'm a real, I'm a big guy and I'm very self-conscious of my size. And so I try to almost disappear from the group. I sit on the ground. I sit low. I lay on my back to try to like not be in the way or get any sort of attention or have anyone see me or look at me or even view me as um, present there with them because I don't want them to have any kind of fear of my presence type of thing. I, I'm very self-conscious about my, about my, I mean, I know like 90% of the ayahuasca ceremony, you were laying down, right? Yeah. 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 laying down. You were dead. I was <laughs> dead. Yeah, well, yeah, I was a full blown corpse being lowered into the ground. So that's a totally different thing. That's interesting though. Like you don't, I mean, looking at you on zoom, you don't look like a big guy the way you're described. Are you just really tall? Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay. really, t- yeah, I'm really tall and, and I have some size to me. I, I'm I'm not a big chubby guy. I'm just, I'm tall and big kind of. Um, and so I'm very aware of it. And I'm very afraid that, especially uh, I have this real deep insecurity that other people who are tripping, who are female are going to be in, uh, afraid of my presence. And I, and I know that's not true. In real life, I'm not really worried about that. But like when I'm in that state, I get very, very aware of that. Interesting. And so I'm in the cottage and I'm playing an archetype and I, and, and there's, there's, uh, uh, there's music in this cottage, but the music sounds like it's two pitches too high and it's being played backwards. And there's this elfish sort of clockwork surrounding the place. And there's an ancient godlike bear giant whose responsibility is to tend the fire and there's a trickster and an impish little Peter Pan and there's a a fairy and an energy. There's all these different. Those are all archetypes. I know. And I don't know shit about archetypes. That's why it's so (laughs) fucking weird, man. You got to learn, I guess. I guess I got to look into it. And so then, and again, I know this is hard to track and I texted you guys earlier telling you I was going to try my best to make this make some kind of sense, but I know it doesn't. So, then I realize as I'm looking around the actual room that I'm in with other people tripping, I start seeing the roles that they are playing. There's a like liter- literally there's this little like philosophy professor, Peter Pan type who's playing a flute. He's playing a flute. He's up like, like playing a flute and kind of doing like a little dance. And there's a mother earth 
figure. Mike, we need to have her on at some point because she's so connected and so present and she's so aware of what everyone is going through the entire time they're going through it. And she checks on people and she, without any kind of like heads up, she gives, she imparts wisdom that is exactly what you needed to hear. She's in there. There's a Papa Bear figure in there. There's Mm -hmm. like a forest nymph fairy type of uh, (laughs) person kind of zipping around doing energy work on everybody and zipping back and forth. You can't keep track of her. There's another, there's another person over there going through actual ego. Like we're watching her go through ego death and her face is like, just, she can't comprehend all that kind of stuff. And so I keep being cognizant of what, of like the similarities between what I'm looking around in the actual room I'm in and what's going on in this cottage. And I'm still afraid of the cottage And I keep kind of checking in with my wife because I want to make sure I don't go fully into this cottage because there's also like, suddenly I get confused about, is this a hallucination or is this a memory that I'm, it's a, it's a memory that's on the tip of my tongue. You know, when you're trying to think of the right word to say, and it's, it's right there and you can't quite spit it out. Mm -hmm. It's a memory that's there from my childhood. That's scary to me. And maybe something I don't want to revisit. And Mm. It, it's a it's a weird thing for me, and I, I I feel like I always try to going in with the intention. Every time I trip, I go with the intention to like go all in and try to learn and see what uh, the universe has in store for me, or see see what my brain, you know, what imaginative stuff I can. But that's a that's a danger zone for me because in there is warm and safe and secure, but also somewhere in there is very scary and very dangerous and very something very much I need to avoid. Mm-hmm. So that's that. I would love, I would love to uh, talk about it a little bit. Wait, did you ever, you, okay. So you I never, didn't, never actually fully went in. No, no, I, I, I couldn't bring myself to do it. I was too scared. I knew something. I knew something big would transpire if I fully committed in there, whether it's positive, negative, transformative, soul crushing, whatever it was, I knew there was something that I just, it's there and I know it's there and I, I have to explore it at some point, but I'm just not ready. And we did a big dose. I mean, it was like a, it was a pretty, <laughs> it was a pretty big dose this weekend. And I was like, that's going to be good. Cause it'll push me through. Like we were talking about sometimes your racing mind can get in the way. I was there. I just couldn't quite get myself to, um, I guess, explore it or commit to it because I was scared. Well, and especially with the cottage, there is something with an inner child there. I feel like that you're a split that happened. It, it reminds me of, so we talked about when I was having like on our shadow episode or maybe um, the Maya one, mm-hmm. how I was having insomnia and I went to my therapist She's like, well, have you been tracking your dreams? You know, she already, she already proved to me the power of dreams. And then I, then I stopped tracking them. Right. Yeah. And she's like, start writing down your dreams again. I mean, she didn't command it, but she suggested it. (laughs) And she etched it onto a stone tablet and sent you on your way. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, (laughs) right. Exactly. She went and burned some bush, got it and came down and, like as long as there's bush in, like burning bush involved, I'm, <laughs> I'm for it. <laughs> but um, 
that can't be taken dirty, right? I said, like, <laughs> You're talking about like herpes or something like that? Like burning bush? Exactly. Um, but the reason why I bring that up is because I was leaving her office and I'm like, I know that my psyche has something terrifying to show me right now. And that's why I've been avoiding it. And then a couple dreams later, a couple nights later, I had a dream that we're not going to go into. I think I'll be another podcast, but just to show it was a, it was a terrifying nightmare with a younger version of myself, female version of myself getting pushed down into a well with violence. Nice. With a chainsaw, actually a chainsaw, like a manufactured object. So I don't know. The only reason why I bring that up is because when you were saying you feel like there's something terrifying in there, I feel like there probably is. But you were also saying if it's going to be like transformative, yes, it will be too. Because when you see that part, especially a cottage, cozy, something, a place that's supposed to be safe, but it's not at the same time. Um, you know, I think you'll see some sort of a trauma that occurred in some sort I don't know. Or maybe, or maybe you won't see that. I don't know. I, I feel like there's something there though that. Yeah. It's like, I can't figure it out. Like I want to, I, I don't dare talk to, you know, any of my family and say, Hey, here's some of this imagery and it feels like strong memory. And it feels like we're talking about like daycare preschool type of stuff. Like walk through, walk through with me the, all the different places and people's houses I went to for preschool. And I I'm getting into some areas here where I'm not making any, it sounds like I'm hinting at something and I'm definitely not trying to hint at anything, but like it's, it, I'm saying that this imagery feels so much like a memory, you know, space and time and the concept of time stops when you're in, you know, in a psilocybin state, but it just feels so strongly like a memory that I will, that I just, I can't approach it yet or I can't uh, uncover it yet that I don't know. I, I really need to, I guess I need to talk to some people from my childhood, I guess. I don't know. This is my take on that. As you were describing it, it felt like the elemental realm, which if you look into that, it's, it's the fairies, it's the gnomes, it's all of that. It's the woods. It's basically like a, a type of the earth realm. And it's possible that you had a past life as an elemental and you're digging up some sort of trauma from that. And maybe that's why it feels so strong. And maybe it's not actually connected to this life because if you were on such a deep dose of mushrooms, I think you could have went real deep and it's not as surface level as you think, you know, and also keeping in mind that fear is an ego based emotion. It's an emotion that humans create. So you know, my experience with diving into traumas in ceremonies is that our brain says you should be terrified. But the reason it's coming up is because our soul is saying you need to face this or you need to go through this. And our brain is the one resisting it. And the second we stop resisting, the fear drops away. And then you're presented with, oh, this is what I need to see. Oh, <laughs> and man. it's a lot less scary than anticipated. And also keeping in mind that during ceremonies, you have the power to not be afraid or to be afraid because again, it's all in our brains. So if we drop ourselves into a heart centered space, the fear can't coexist with love. And all of a sudden you're in control of what's going on and you can see things clearly through a heart space rather than 
a mind ego fear space. Yeah. And just real quick, just to add on that real quick, Doug, um, is that's a good point as far as the ego goes, because sometimes nightmares are so terrifying because you're experiencing it from their dream ego. And so it's similar to maybe this mushroom trip that it views any shift as a death. And so it's going to feel that as terrifying where it could not be like, you could think of like trauma that occurred when you were younger now. And you'd be like, Oh, that sounds so silly, but it felt so real to you, especially at a young age at one, two, three, you know, up to like seven, you feel things so strongly that even something that's so minor now would, would feel huge death and be so frightening to you at that time. If it was a, if it was an earthing or even if it was in, you know, a different life trauma or something. I definitely second that because you know, <laughs> it's so easy. How easy is it to scare a child? And they're like legit traumatized. If you're just like, boo, you know, you jump yeah. up in the corner and they're scarred for life. And you're like, Oh, that was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Might not be that serious. So it could just be <laughs> something like, you could have put up some sort of heart wall or an energetic cocoon around whatever chakra it is. Like, you know, pay attention to your chakra system. Is there anything specifically in your body that's not working properly? You know, um, any of those organs that are connected to the chakras and maybe you put up some sort of walls around the chakras. And when you went into this space, you know, it's sounding like um, it's a root chakra thing because it's, it's grounded and it's earthing and it's the chakra that's in charge of feeling safe and feeling taken care of. So maybe there's some sort of blocks that need to be moved through your root chakra. And the best way to do that is by grounding, which is being in a type of cottage that you described, being in a forest, connecting with the trees, connecting with the elemental realm. And that's what's going to really pull that um, block out of your chakra. Yeah. I love that. Well, basically, I just got to get, <clears throat> I got to go deeper and, and, uh, I mean, I think that the, I think that the construct of the ego is a really good point where I've just got to move past some of that stuff. But even now talking about, I feel, I feel a little bit vulnerable even talking about this stuff because, um, it's almost like I'm making a, a commitment, right? It's almost like if I'm saying it to the two of you, there's a, there's a, there's a commitment that I have to follow through with and like kind of break through that and shake away that fear or that, that, uh, anxiety of what that transformation could look like or what that could peel back and reveal about, uh, it doesn't even have to be about myself. It could just be about like some, uh, truth that I just keep, uh, you know, pushing away or, or, or some version of myself that I'm not ready to, uh, um, you know, embrace, I guess. So. Well, I totally understand that fear. And I think that even speaking of your fear is coming from a a fear place because you're in the mentality of, I have to do something in order to feel better, or I have to, you know, be something in order to get rid of this other thing. And most of the time it's just allowing, you know, there's a lot less work in it than we realize. I think really getting rid of fear just means allowing love. So rather than thinking of it uh, is like, well, now I have to go do something. (laughs) Just noticing when things come up, just invite the opposite and it'll feel a lot less like a chore and a lot less of a scary task and just more of being present, being in the moment with it. I love that. I do too. And then to to say one quick thing on that was uh, when I was listening back to the shadow episode we we recorded, there was one moment when 
we talked about your shadow and discovering this part of your shadow through a dream where you're like, okay, let's whiteboard it out. Like, what are the steps? Yeah. yeah. And I feel like at the time when I'm listening back, I'm like, how, what a very Mormon American answer to that question. I, what, what are the steps I need to do to integrate my shadow and fix whatever? Yeah. But it's, and as Shalice was talking about, it's not about doing so much as becoming aware of just seeing of like, look, there's these parts of me and seeing it and be like, Oh, there's these parts of me and I'm not going to judge it. I'm not going to be, this is a good part or bad part, or this thing happened to me. And it was traumatic at the time, but you know what? I'm going to look at it from a, it's, it's, it was a thing that happened and just becoming aware. Like we already are who we are. Anything, if anything needs to happen is we need to strip off layers, right? We know become who, if I can only do this, I'll become who I am. No, you already are you. Mm -hmm. You just need to see all of you. There's just probably parts of you you don't like, or you feel like others won't like. And so you've pushed that, you know, it's like, let's just get that to come out. And it's more of a passive process than we, we, it's just, it's paradoxical to us, I think, but it's true. So let me now, uh, we can, we can change subjects, but I want to drop this on the two of you after the things that you've both just said about uh, uh, overcoming fear and uh, accepting love and um, just being. So the matriarchal character that was actually there. I like that I have to. I like that I have to specify that this story has uh, characters who were actually there with me and characters who were just in my own sort of thing. So the matriarchal character who I said was just so in touch and is always that way. She has always been that way since I've known her. I'm, I'm huddled. I'm sitting on the floor. I'm like knees up to my chest and I'm, I'm, I've got my knees or my arms around my knees trying to disappear. I mean, I'm, I'm literally trying to be as small as possible. And she looks at, I'm kind of looking around the room and she looks at me and she goes, Doug, there's no judgment. You're worthy of love. Just be, you don't need to become, you don't need to worry. You don't need to live in the past or in the future. You just are safe to be. She said that Saturday night. So God, man, I'm feeling the spirit right now, guys. (laughs) When the two two of you were, were, were talking about that stuff, I was like, either there's a cosmic truth here. Or it's just so obvious that I'm just so dense and full of shit that I, I couldn't like figure it out. But the two of you are saying the exact same thing that she said in the moment. It's crazy. It's, it's, it's amazing yeah. to me. And I mean, I just had an aha moment because when, when you were talking about feeling like you just wanted to disappear, everything kind of made sense to me in the, in the fact of you were too afraid to go in the cottage, not realizing that you were already there. You just weren't allowing yourself to be. You were already in the space with all of these people surrounding you who wanted to help and give you love, but you were just so focused on not being there. So maybe that was the whole lesson is just allowing yourself to be. And like she said, feeling worthy enough to exist, feeling worthy enough of love and of help. And I've been in that situation too, where I'm like, I just feel, I just want to sit in the corner because I don't even think like I'm too messed up for anyone to help me at this point, which is not true, which is a fear-based emotion and an ego-based emotion. And so that, that could be it is just allowing yourself to be. And even something as simple as that could feel terrifying to your ego, like absolutely terrifying. 
Yeah, because the ego thrives on uh, past and future. Because if you're not planning for something, that means, you know, you could die. And if you're not thinking of things that you learned in the past, you could die because if you don't implement them, you won't survive in the future. The ego hates being present because it always has to project into a different reality that is familiar. It's, you know, the what's in the past is familiar and the predictable future is familiar, but the present is the most terrifying moment you can be in because you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> oh man. You two oh, are wow. powerful. You two are enlightened beings. I thank you. That, <laughs> that's, that's good stuff. It, it, I mean, honestly, when the message keeps being the same thing from people who I hold up as being very intuitive, maybe I should listen, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it resonates. I mean, you know, we could decode it all day, but if it doesn't feel right, it doesn't feel right. It's just, um, you know, spitballing ideas from an outsider's perspective and what we see to be true. And if that feels right, then accept it. Man. I love that. And you know what? It's easy. Like, it's always easier to do it with others than yourself. You know, like if, if I talk about like decoding my own dreams or own trips, I have a hard time, harder time kind of like it's always good to talk about it with someone and verbalize because then they're coming out with a different perspective and can kind of give some, I mean, it has to resonate with you too. Yep. And sometimes they'll give suggestions like, Oh, this, I'm like, no, that doesn't sit right. But um, yeah, that's where it helps to really talk through. Oh. Yeah, definitely. And I was also thinking, um, Mike, you were talking about peeling back the layers and uncovering things from our past and really just allowing ourselves to be who we are. There is a, an inner child meditation that I think would be a good segue into that. If you don't mind me sharing. We'd yeah. love to hear that. Yes. So, okay. So this came about, it was during this class and um, the woman who was organizing it and she's kind of like our guru of the group. She was talking about triggers and things that come up when it could be just something random in the day and all of a sudden your blood is boiling and you just are so angry about it. And she's like, let's figure out what triggers you and go back to the moment in your past that it happened and clear it so that it no longer triggers you as an adult. And most of the time it's stuff when we're kids because someone does something and it makes us mad or we feel unworthy or we don't feel loved. And then we create this belief that that's how life is. And we carry that into our adult lives. So um, the way you do it is you think of something that triggers you. And I'll just give you my example and my story so that it's easy to paint a picture. Um, I hate or hated because I feel like I've released it now. <laughs> <laughs> I hated it when people would talk down to me and it wouldn't even have to be so obvious, but it would be something like, oh, you're just a baby mm. or like, yeah. Oh, you just, did you just graduate high school? I'm like, I, I graduated college six years ago. Like, really? <laughs> you know, like, it's that type of thing where I just immediately feel small and I feel talked down to. And, um, and, and it's something that my blood would boil. And I would say things that were not kind afterwards. And I'd be like, why did I say that? You know, they didn't mean it in a rude way. So that's my trigger. And she says, okay, think about the trigger. And feel it. Like, what part of your body do you feel it? And is it in your head, your heart? And for me, it was in my gut. I was like, ooh, it's just right there in my stomach. And so you really just sit with that and you breathe into that space. And when you breathe into the space, you just feel the feeling, that triggered feeling. 
And then allow your mind to go to a moment in your life, in your childhood or wherever it is, where you first felt that feeling. And so, you know, I'm sitting there in the group and she also kind of singled me out because I, you know, I told my, I told everyone, yeah, this is my trigger. And she's like, oh, let's clear it for you. I'm like, oh man, this is embarrassing. What, what if I can't do it right? (laughs) So already I have this fear going. But anyway, um, she's like, now think of a, a moment where you first felt this feeling. And I'm like, oh man, what if I can't see anything? And then all of a sudden this vision comes into mind. And I'm probably, I don't know, two or three maybe. And I'm, I'm barely walking. And I see myself on the living room floor and there's all of these blocks and my brother's playing with the blocks. And my two-year-old self was like, I can do that. And so I like waddle over <laughs> and I start playing with the blocks, but I knock it over. And my brother being a brother, which I love him, but you know, your little sister's annoying. So he's like, oh, mom, Shalise keeps knocking over my block. She can't do it. She's too little. Oh. And that's when I created this belief that, you know, people are going to talk down to me and I have to defend myself. And of course he didn't mean it. He would have been six at the time, you yeah. know, but in that moment, I just decided like, I'm not going to be bullied like that. And so I just start crying and, you know, I can do it. I can't big enough. I can do it. And so once you find that moment, you walk in as your adult self and you talk to the child version of you and you say all of the things that she wasn't able to say, or you tell her it's okay. You can do it. You are big enough. You are strong enough. And you take her out of the room, out of the situation. You know, in my case, it was give her all of the blocks that she can play with and encourage her as she builds the blocks, even if she knocks them over and just tell her she's doing an amazing job. (laughs) And then we walked out to the sidewalk and, you know, she's like, okay, give your, your inner child a a wand and have her take the wand and just poof the house away. Like it's gone. Like it didn't even happen. And so we did that and it collapsed that timeline. It collapsed the memory because time is a construct. It's not actually linear. So when you heal the past, you heal the present, you heal the future, you heal all of it at once. So after that meditation was done, I was like, wow, I actually feel really good. I feel better. And since then, I can't remember a single time where I get heated when people say that to me. And it's, it's just such a cool, easy, easy technique to do to really uncover those triggers and pull out that inner child work that needs to be addressed. I'm going to try that tonight. It's funny. As soon as you started uh, talking about coming up with things from your childhood that are memories that stand out, that provide some kind of triggering for you, I started listing them and, and uh, I've got a pretty good mental list right now. So I'm going to try that tonight. Um. God, I got a lot, I got a lot farther to go than I thought, you know, it's, it's, I guess that's part of the journey and I'm excited about it, but yeah, that's a good, that's a good exercise that I want to do. Yeah. Well, there, there's, there's always farther to go. Right. And that's the yeah. thing you feel like, Oh, I'm cause I think there's a part of us. It's like, we feel like, especially as Mormons, ex Mormons, that there's like this, Oh, I just need to fix this. You know, if I fix it, then I'm going to be better. But when you realize the amount of things that we need to fix, it's infinite. And so every time we're like, oh, oh, I think I've got this figured out. No, there's always another layer and another layer and another layer, right? It's turtles all the way down, right? (laughs) Turtles all the way down. 
I think it's shifting, shifting your perspective because I did have maybe like a, a five month period of time where I got so, well, I was so into this whole spirituality thing and meditations and healing and blah, 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 that I got really angry at the fact that I was never going to be healed. And it's something I had to work through because I was like, when am I just going to be fixed? Like, why is there always something wrong with me? And even just working through that and realizing that it's not necessarily you have to fix yourself. It's just an improvement. You know, I could have gone my whole life without ever healing that wound of being talked down to and I would have survived. But it's just about making life an easier, more enjoyable process and also about learning and growing. So I think for me, I had to shift my perspective from I'm broken to I'm going to evolve like a motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love that. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the first time Shalise has said fuck on the podcast. So we probably ought to toast. <laughs> and you know, it's probably like the fifth time I've said it in my life and it just came out. But there it is. Fuck Yeah. Cheers. Yeah, I remember even in the first podcast when you're talking about seeing the faces. I love it because he was a freaking falcon and a freaking <laughs> like, favorite word. And I always say mother trucker because it's just fun. You know what? I'm glad on Mormons on mushrooms we have that because we need it. We need a freaking in a. <laughs> I know, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, I think if we're going by archetypes, I'm the closest to the Mormon stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It was a lens you were seeing. You know, we all saw the world that way for a long time. Yeah. 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 Was there more you want to say about yours? Because I could talk about, because I want to talk about, because I did a similar thing with this child meditation. Oh, that's great. Yeah, tell us about that. So let me just talk about this one real quick. Because, well, first, this all came up in it. Well, First, there was a dream, and it was the first dream I ever wrote down. And it was the one I talk about in, I think, the Maya podcast where I'm like, seeing my therapist, and she's like, write down your dream. You're going to have a dream tonight. Hey, is it, this is the Carl Weathers one, right? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I think it could be the yeah. Carl Weathers. But no, no, this is not the Carl Weathers dream, though. Oh, okay. All right. No. So this dream, the first one I wrote down, I am in my parents' home. And I see my younger self running around and he's two or three. He's running around with a diaper. I guess a two or three. I was late potty trained. I don't know. But, (laughs) and I see him, he's being, he's being all wild and rambunctious. So I know he just needs someone to talk to. So I grab his hand and I'm walking down the stairs with him, walking down into my subconscious, right? With him. And I'm like, Hey bud, how you doing? And he's like, I hate big houses. I like small houses. Oh man. And I'm like, I do too, bud. I do too. Right. And so we walk across, we're still talking and I don't remember about what we were talking about. Then we're playing Nintendo together. Um, and he's distracted and he's like, you know what? Dad has to work late again tonight. And I'm like, you know what? It's okay. Dads sometimes have to do that. It doesn't mean they don't love you, but he starts running around whatever I'm saying. He doesn't want to hear. Hmm. And so when I'm recounting this to my therapist, she's like, what did he want to hear in that moment? And I knew, and it was that I'm sorry. I know if dad doesn't come home from work, it's just more time to spend with mom. And that sounds horrible. Doug, you know, my mom. Yeah. One of the kindest, most giving people 
you'll ever meet. Gives of herself so much. Yeah, it's and just. Yeah, go ahead. I just wanted to talk good on your mom for a second. Yeah. Just so sweet and selfless and and loving. I mean, she's probably she's probably an empath. You, you that's probably something that you get from her, and that I mean that that can have some dangerous side effects. So sorry to interrupt you. I love that you said that because it is side effects of that. And that's what my ayahuasca experience showed me. One, how big of an empath I am. Then it showed my mom, who's been, I think, even more. And it's crushed her in the sense that, like, I don't think she knows what's hers and what's not her whole life. And she's been trying to fix that in her her whole life. And me as, like, an empathic son, I think I became a container for that. Yeah. No, she didn't mean to. I think it's just an energetic thing. Like she's so weighed. It's like, oh, I have this son. Like uh, there's something that's spilling over even into my container, right? To the point where like I'd feel these feelings and I'm like, it's just a nebulous cloud because it's like a nebulous cloud of hers and whoever she's, it's just, we're all carrying it, right? And so that was hard for me to kind of think about that like, because I hate saying the fact that like it feels like my mother, but it's not her fault. I mean, she was growing up at a time where even if she were to get, she had this depression her whole life. And even if she were to get help, they probably just would have medicated her at the time. Yeah. Even if she would have gotten past the taboo of therapy and you know, we're living in a great time where we have the internet and the taboos are coming off. Right. That was a long lead up to my, (laughs) I'm, I am captivated dude. keep going. But uh, the reason why I wanted to bring that up is because it's like, it was someone who I've always I mean, I love my mother so much. I've always looked up to her. And so I think that masked the trauma that I got from her, even though it wasn't her fault, if that makes sense. Totally. Because so I did a couple child meditations. The first one I hint at, and it was similar to what Shalise was saying. I walked up to this timeline and it brought me back. And it's like, remember, what's the, what's the memory that comes up and how old are you? Yeah. The first one that popped up, I talked about it in our shadow one. I'm three, four years old or something just feel like, you know what? I'm going to dance naked in front of this window. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just dancing naked and I get in trouble. And this was a, this wasn't a memory I'd forgotten about, but it's one I hadn't thought about for so long. And boom, that's the one that popped up this. I want to dance naked in front of a window and I got shamed for it. And there was a split that happened there. Um, So then it had me go in to my home, like visualized walking in my home as a child or walking to my childhood home and trying to find myself. And I'm sitting outside my mom's room, just cuddled up next to the door. So I go down and try to talk to myself, but I can't connect with him. And I'm like, Oh, I knew that in order to connect with him, even though he was physically, I guess in this thing here, he's really inside my mom's room. So I walk in and sure enough, he's there just laying on the the foot of the bed and she's laying down, not looking at him and he's fawning, you know, it's one of the, you know, the, 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 the ways we escape our trauma is we fight, we flight, uh, what are the other ones? Fawn or flee. That's flight. (laughs) (laughs) I'm missing one of them. Anyway, the one I always, I think that my strongest one is fawning. It's just like, I want to, I don't want to, I want to attract attention, but in a very passive way. Right. So I'm just hoping she notices me trying to look cute enough for her to notice me. Right. So I grab 
little Mike and I have to lead him outside of the room because he's not paying attention to me as long as he's in that room. And I sit down with him and start talking to him and just being like, hey, and he doesn't trust me fully. And I've been doing this dream work where I'm connecting with like an inner feminine. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to bring my inner feminine out to talk to him. And sure enough, he lights up, you know, kind of like a tomboyish, sporty, pretty feminine figure, you know, inner, inner anima. And he's loving her. And she's like, Hey, let's, let's take off. And the funny thing is, is this is all meditation, but you just sit and just think what feels right on the next step. You know, I'm trying not to control it. I'm trying to let things happen. And it's like, what feels right. I'm trying to talk to him. It's like, he doesn't want to hear me. So then, you know, just trying to like, it's so that's, what's kind of interesting about it. So we get in the car and I'm like, Hey bud, where do you want to go? Then he has no opinion. So I'm like, you know what? I know where to go. And so we went out to the beach and we're playing in the waves and I'm sitting there on the beach watching him play with this feminine figure in the waves. And he's like, I want to get naked. And she's like, that's fine. You're three years old. Get naked. You know? So he (laughs) takes off his swimsuit and is just playing in the water, playing in the waves. And she's loving it. She's splashing him, you know, and he's just loving this feminine energy playing with him like that in this playful way. And then I, they come back and sit down with me on the beach. And then to end it, he, I was just like, um, you know, you're going to have to go back. Um, but no, you can always come back to this place. But when I was talking to my therapist, she's like, why couldn't you hold that? Why couldn't he be there forever? I'm like, well, I just felt like I needed to send him back. She's like, no, he can just stay there. Oh my God. You're recreating time. You're like Shalice was saying, time is an illusion. He doesn't have to go back to sitting outside his mom's door, just hoping to be loved. He's got all the love he needs on that beach for as long as he needs it. Just let him stay. (laughs) So then I've thought about that a lot. Just like, Hey, staying. So like, yeah. Holy smokes, man. That's awesome. And one thing that I've also learned that is a good way to kind of end the meditation is to, hold the inner child that you just healed and dissolve them into yourself. So you're oh, putting yeah. back into your present self saying, okay, you're here. You're with me. You're safe. You're loved. Wow. I love that. Mike, I started tearing up when you were telling that story. Um, you, you sparked a memory that I haven't uh, even had. I haven't even thought about for probably my adult life. So um being a being a little boy and stumbling upon my mom sitting on the stairs crying and me being like mom what you know what's wrong and and her saying and again i my mom's awesome and i love her and she's fucking rad but she said to me i just i i don't know what to do my boys speaking of me and my brother my boys aren't good boys. They don't listen. They don't do what I ask them to do. They won't. And so me, I mean, you know, my brother and you know me, there's a big difference between how the two of us are going to receive that message. Yeah. (laughs) And little me uh, was, was devastated. Oh, I'm, my actions are making mom cry and think that she's not a good mother and think that I'm a bad boy. Like I'm a, the last thing any little boy wants to be is a, is a bad boy. I know bad boy is a good image for later on in life. And, and, you know, that's a, that's a good, uh, uh, 
persona to take on for a certain part of your life. But as a little boy, I didn't want to be a bad boy. Yeah. And as, as we're talking about this stuff, I'm like, God damn, has my whole life been trying to not be a bad boy? Is, has my whole life just been trying to be a good boy? Can and- I just point out that we've gone completely full circle because that is the moment in your childhood where you felt like it was better to be invisible than not to exist. Oh, man. That you existing was a burden because you didn't feel like you had done anything wrong. And so you realize even now, even though you're not doing anything wrong, that you shouldn't exist. Oh, this is a lot for me right now. (laughs) I'm sorry to... Take it in. Yeah, I'm trying to take this in and, and you know, there'll probably be some pauses that we can, you know, there's that tool on our edit thing that will skip some of these pauses and we can skip out my little choked up tears. But like, I'm loving the pauses. God damn, one. that's hitting me like a ton right now, man. Like, I'm just trying to be a good boy, you know? Right. I totally understand. And may, I don't think it's a coincidence that that memory just happened to pop up when we were talking about everything we've been talking about, that could be the moment that you need to accept, not necessarily face, but just accept it for what it was and also accept her perspective and realizing that that's not actually the case. And it could be the exact meditation that you do tonight to release that. Um, yeah, I got to dig into that. Okay. <laughs> well, let me just add to that then too, because you talk about how terrifying that could be. And so to the ego, of course, he saw being a good little boy as a key to his survival, a key to his mother's love during yeah. the whole thing, right? And so, yeah, to have him think that like, oh, integrating a bad little boy into me, like that's going to be death. This is terrifying. If we do this, we're going to die. We need to be a good little boy. Mm-hmm. I think it's just um, the need to mm-hmm. please and the need to always be doing things right, the need to really just have to do something in order to be loved. You know, it's the the cause and effect, the duality. I have to be this way in order to be accepted. And so it's easier to just not be at all. <laughs> after all you can do, after all you can do, you can be saved, right? To die in Mormonism. <laughs> yeah. Only after all you can do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that goes into... I mean, Shalice, you mentioned worthiness earlier and, and, and Mike, you're, t- God, that, sorry that I'm a little speechless right now, but this, I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing this right now. So I'm just trying to process this a little bit. You couldn't have scripted this better, guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we all hope for moments like this. So don't push it away. Just allow it. <laughs> yeah. But one of the things I love about that too. So once you realize where the trauma occurred and what happened, there's a lot you can do to kind of play with that and to connect to your inner inner child. Like think about just like creating art. Like I'm going to go finger paint and I'm going to bring the little version of me to finger. I'm going to channel this person to finger paint with me Mm -hmm. and connect with your inner child. I'm going to share this one quick story. (sighs) Okay. Where are you gasping? We're we're amongst an intimate group of friends, right? Us are, I guess in our podcast, we're very intimate on this mm-hmm. podcast, <laughs> but lately, so I did that dinner child meditation. My wife went out of town with the kids up the coast. I took a little too, I, I took some edibles huh. and I'm like, it's feeling it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to connect with inner Mike right now. 
And during quarantine, we bought like this, uh, this laser light thing. It's the best quarantine purchase we've made. It syncs <laughs> the music and it, it's like a disco ball in your living room, right? So I put that in my bedroom, played that, and Mike's, little Mike just wanted to dance. And so I played that. We're playing music, dancing to all these, like the midnight, which is the synth wave that he would have loved as a kid. I love now. And we're listening to that. I'm dancing. Then we wanted to dance naked, right? <laughs> yes. That's what he wanted to do at three years old. And so it's like, I can do it. And, you know, with the uh, shutters closed because I didn't want to get arrested, we danced <laughs> naked in front of the window oh like we God. wanted to do. <laughs> yes. And we can maybe cut that part out, but we can leave it because, you know, it's like. Not cutting that part out. <laughs> Where I was, it was just like, that's what he, and so I'm channeling him and like time is an illusion. He was back there just being like, yeah, we can, we can just be us in our bodies, you know, that's and it's so not beautiful. sexual. It's not, it's just free in our bodies. That's so beautiful because it just goes to prove that what you did in that meditation worked because you didn't feel ashamed. You know, there wasn't anything telling you not to do it. It was just, I'm going to do this. I want to do it we're doing it. <laughs> that just tells you that it really does work when you peel back those layers. I do love little Mike a lot, man, that we've <laughs> talked about him a few times and little Mike is my spirit animal, maybe a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think especially growing up in a religion like Mormonism, a high demand, um, lots of shaming and guilting, especially around sexuality. I think it's really important to do the work and you don't even have to call it the work, call it the, the play if you want, because dancing <laughs> naked is play, right? Um, but really dive deep into those wounds. And I know even for myself, since we are talking vulnerably and honestly, that there was a shift as soon as I hit 12 years old, you know, the split of my sexuality because I was told that sex is bad, that, you know, any type of feelings, not even just sex. It was if you have any sort of feeling arising, exactly. shut yep. it down, just shut it down. And so it really creates this, this split and this idea that I'm not worthy enough to feel this way. Or if I do feel this way, I'm a bad person. Yep. And it really has affected me in my adult life. And you could even go as far as to saying with other people specifically that when you create these ideals and the, these wrongful ideals really around sexuality, which is the most natural and beautiful thing, humans wouldn't exist without it. Um, when you create these negative beliefs around it, it, it creates distorted sexuality because then all of a sudden you're doing things, you know, that you shouldn't be doing, or you're watching too much pornography or you get into like, pornography that isn't necessarily healthy and you start wanting to experiment with things that aren't great for you because you've been distorting it your entire life. Well, since you even knew what sex was, yep. because you've been constantly shutting it down. And so doing these inner child meditations are so important, not just for your, your baby self, you know, but even for like a teenager trying to explore who you are and explore sexuality in general, because it shouldn't be a shameful thing. It shouldn't be a taboo thing. It shouldn't be wrong. It should be beautiful. It should be celebrated and explored. Well, it's funny. So uh, I don't remember what time, Mike, it was just the two of us talking, but we talked about the concept of 
there's a term called porn shoulders. That's a real term. Shalish, <laughs> you got you got you're sleeveless tonight. So yeah. there's there's a there's had to be created a term for a person's bare shoulder because of repressed sexuality that exists not only in Mormonism but in a lot of uh, strict religious households that view sex as this bad, taboo, sinful act. Mm-hmm. And it just create, I think that, I think you're dead on with that, Shalise, that it creates more harm than it's trying to prevent. Yeah. And I think that there's this concept of, look, if we, if we taught sex to, to, to kids as, look, you got something you gotta be careful with because you don't want to make a decision that's going to change, alter or change your entire life. And you certainly don't want to, you know, I, I don't really know much about STDs. I was a virgin when I got married and I've been married to the same lady for 18 years. So I don't really know much about like all these like, uh, you know, sexually transmitted diseases out there. But if we taught it as those things and like being wise and being safe and being smart about who you um, want to do that with, rather than it's all sinful and it's all bad. And you have to then develop these weird kinks and fetishes and it's hidden and you have to you know, shield the world from that dirty little part of yourself that you are so ashamed of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whew. Sorry, that probably was rambling. I'm I'm still dealing with the stuff from earlier. So I, I'm really sorry that I've started taking on this, like, I don't know what I'm talking about kind of. That's fine. I mean, I just want to add real quick that even if you do make it like congrats making it till marriage. I mean, I tried, didn't happen. Obviously I'm not married, but um, I think that even once you get married, you still carry this shame and like how it's hard to have, you know, an open, beautiful sexual relationship with someone after you've been told for your entire adolescence that it's wrong. How do you make the switch? Yeah. And that's one of the things that I just went off on my bishop about right before I left the church. Like this was one of the things was, you know, I had oral sex with my boyfriend who I wanted to marry and we were together for over a year. still had not had sex, but he was like, it's wrong. It's sinful. It's unnatural. He said, and I, I found out later that that was actually a thing. Like you could actually get punished for having oral sex, even if you were married. I didn't know. They sent a whole memo out on that. The first presidency in the early eighties or something. Well, in the miracle, I think in this could be this, I could be misquoting, but in miracle forgiveness, I think, I think uh, Spencer Kimball talks about, there are certain things, there are certain practices, even within marriage that are, uh, are forbidden. So that exactly. might be. So when he said that to me, I lost my mind. I was like, unnatural. <laughs> like, I just, I was like, it's just kissing on another part of the body. And he's like, no, it's sex. And I'm like, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then as I natural said, as eating a sandwich. That's what sex is. That's his- <laughs> In fact, even more natural because the sandwich you have to, you have to like, have ingredients you have to make bread and like it's yeah. more it's as natural as eating an apple i should say yeah. well even an apple requires a tool like you are fully equipped as <laughs> at little little mike dancing naked is fully equipped to do something natural like that even the act of going and picking an apple off of a tree requires some effort and it's not lost on me the symbolism that we're talking about picking a forbidden fruit off of a tree during this whole thing <laughs> Well, it just really blew my mind. And I was so angered by it because, you know, I thought I was doing a good job. I was like, I'm a virgin and I'm, you know, almost 20 years old. That should count for something. And so, and so then I said, well, 
what if we were married? He's like, oh, then it's fine. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You just gave me a 20 minute lecture about how unnatural and how oral sex is bad because it's nowhere in the Bible, which someone told me that it actually is. Anyway, beside the point, the point is how on earth are you supposed to have like a healthy sexuality after you've been drilling into your brain that it's wrong? Like how it doesn't make any sense. And somehow they think that they're protecting us by doing that. And they're totally just twisting our brains around and distorting sexuality in general. Well, and creating the problem to begin with, because we kind of talk about it in our shadow episode, but you guys were bringing it up earlier. What we repress in us and disown in us has more power over us than yeah. the stuff we own. So early on, they get us to repress this side of us, to disown it. So of course it's coming up with force, with porn and yeah. doing things in secrecy and obsessive thoughts because we've repressed that. So it's, it's going to have more control over us, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that's one thing I forgot to mention earlier about the inner child meditation is our teacher that gave us that meditation. She said, those triggers are like the two-year-old in the back seat that's going, mom, mom, mom. And even if you're like, hold on, hold on, mom, mom. And they get louder and they get more annoying until you say, what? (laughs) What do you need? I'm thirsty. Here's some water. Like it's that simple. The more you push something away and the more you say, go away, go away, go away, go away. It's going to keep coming up until you just say, what do you need? How does it help you? (laughs) And you know what? What that inner child needs is the same thing you need deep down. Yes. You you meet this like mutual, even though he's annoying now, you meet this mutual like need like, oh, okay. And he quiets down and you're like, okay. Or he or she quiets down and you're fine. (laughs) Yeah. And she taught us that that even goes for emotions like fear. The more that you repress your fear, you know, like, um, like Doug was saying, it was scary to go into that cottage. It's like fear, fear, fear. And the more you're afraid of it, the more it builds and the scarier it gets. But if you can just, you know, dive into that feeling the same way you dive into the triggered feelings and, and really sit there and go, what do you need? Maybe something comes up of, I'm just afraid to be seen. Or maybe something comes up of, I'm afraid that I won't be loved. And whatever it is, you give that fear what it needs, and then it just dissolves. And it dissolves. And that guard or that ego part of you, that's it quiets down too. Mm-hmm. I remember the point I was going to make is okay. that so yeah. the church has created this problem. It's created the problem, right? In doing that, it's created more porn addiction and more, more of the things. Infidelity. Right. So then it's like, it's created this problem. So we'll just talk about it just real quick. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, oh, it's creating its own problem. No, that's exactly what it wants to happen. Because if it can break you with sexuality and then give you the cure that you need to go talk to this bishop and I'm going to make you feel whole again. It's got you right where it wants you, right? It kind of sounds like a big corporation. Like, here's the problem and we have the solution. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, the laws of supply and demand are alive and well in the LDS church, you know? Absolutely, because it's the only ones that can save you from your problematic life 
not even just a problematic situation. It's you are the problem and we are the solution and you will never be whole. You will never be saved unless you go through us. We are the only way to be saved. Like think about that tenant. The natural man is an enemy to God. Not like God doesn't dig the natural man or God's like sort of disappointed in the natural man. Dude, (laughs) that's a pretty powerful enemy. Like my natural state is God's enemy. Like we're all getting like armored up and swords and all our stuff and going to battle because we're enemies because of my natural state. That's it. Which which, um, book is that from? That's in the Book of Mormon. Mormon. That is? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whoa. That's crazy. So what that illusion, so it's it's just an illusion, right? But the more you fight against the mirage, the more real that mirage becomes. Yep. So, yeah, you create this huge war that's like the natural man is an enemy to God. Let's fight this thing. And it's just creating this battle that then it felt so real. And the only way I could get relief was to confess obsessively to this man or take the sacrament every week or because that's the only way I could be whole again. Yeah. And the people are so devastated when they mess up because, Oh my gosh, I'm not going to be saved now. I have, I'm not worthy of anything. I messed up. I am the worst enemy to God that I could be not realizing that why would God create in their terms? Right. I think we have an expanded view on that now. But why would God create a population and and hate them immediately? Like, what kind of parent does that? (laughs) Like, Like, just think of that in in, in terms of like, like, instead of like the spiritual religious aspect, just just consider that in real terms. So you are non-existent and suddenly... You become conscious, you become aware, and you're in the middle of a battlefield, and the dude next to you goes, Hi, your name's Doug. See that immortal, impervious, huge, fire breathing, like beast over there that's like gonna wipe us all out? That's your enemy. And I'm like, I didn't I don't even know how I got here. Why am I the fucking enemy of this guy? By the way. He created you. <laughs> and, 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 and oh, oh, the other thing I forgot to tell you is that he's also your father and he <laughs> loves you and he wants what's best for you and he wants you to go hang out with him. But first, battle cry, like, wow, you know, you go, it's like, what? I don't even know. I'm, I, I, I don't know what's up or down. He wants to be with you forever. All you have to do is not be yourself. Yeah. Yeah. All you have to do is ignore every instinct or intuition you've ever had in your life. You fucking idiot. (laughs) It's like, Oh, sorry that I was accidentally born and didn't know anything. (laughs) Thanks for nothing. God. Oh man. That's crazy. Yeah. That's always been a real tough juxtaposition for me is God is this loving father who wants what's best for you. And the the title he prefers over uh, every other title is Heavenly Father. But you better not cross him or you're going to fuck your shit up for the rest of your life. And you're and not even for the rest of your life, for eternity, you're going to be you're going to be away from your family and nothing's going to be cool. And if you do, if you go too far, you're going to be stripped of your body and soul and you're going to be hanging out with like a third of, you know, the demons of heaven that like fell from grace and you got to hang out with those guys. And it's like, 
Yeah. I don't feel like I'm much like those guys if they're that like that yeah. bad. It's like putting me in a biker gang suddenly and being like, yeah, this is who you deserve to be with for, for the rest of your life is these dirty bikers. And I'm like, <laughs> all I did was beat off and I got to hang out with these bikers for the rest of my life. <laughs> like yeah. such a weird content. Not, not only are you in charge of your own salvation, you're in charge of your entire family because yeah. it's your fault. If they fall into outer darkness, it's your fault because you should have brought them back into the fold. So now it's your fault that you don't get to see your family forever. Man. God's a dick. To yeah. bring this to bring this into another circle, because it's all circular, right? Hell yeah. If you were just a good little boy. Fuck, man. Huh? God would love you so much. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> we tell ourselves and actually believe. Yeah. <laughs> so just be a good little boy. <laughs> if I would just be a Poor good girl. little boy. If I would just be a good boy, my mom would love me and she wouldn't cry. God would not weep heavenly Jesus tears. Uh, the, I wouldn't spend eternity in damnation. And all I got to do is be a good boy. Man, this that's heavy, dude. That's heavy. <laughs> yeah. Guys, this is like top five conversation for me. I don't want to toot our own horns here, but like this is like, I've loved, I don't care if anyone else loves this. I am loving this every, every little bit. (laughs) I've been going to therapy for eight years and this is like one of the biggest breakthroughs that I've ever had. And you guys are witnessing it live and I'm trying my best. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. What did you say? No, I just, and we're recording it. That's what's so great. I know. Please tell me it's recording. (laughs) Oh, what if I, Oh, what if I looked down and I was like, Oh shit, guys, we gotta, we gotta recreate this whole thing. Take two. In the top left, it says recording. So I'm just oh, you made my me. long Palladian fingers. I'm hoping that it's recording. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned the fingers, by the way, Mike, because the other night when I was when I was tripping, I I couldn't get away from my fingers. Like I couldn't get away from doing like little finger exercises. And even my long. wife, even my wife turned to me, she goes, Dude, you have some weird-looking hands. And I was like, I, I know. I've been looking at them all night. They're fucking weird. Yeah, they're weird because they should be long and silver, silvery and beautiful <laughs> and ethereal. But what is Yeah, ethereal. That's what they should oh, be. Man. I think it's weird. I think, you know, when we get into those deep states of consciousness, our bodies are weird in general because they're foreign, because we're not used to it, because we're so much greater and so much more expansive than these little shells that we've been stuffed into that, you know, that was one of my major things too. In my ayahuasca ceremonies, I looked down, I'm like, Oh, like, what am I in? Like, this isn't me. And I was kind of annoyed by it because what am I in? Holy shit. I was just like, this is so weird. I just had this total out of body experience where I was like, Oh, I get it. I am not my body in any shape or form. I'm literally just inside of it. And it gave me a lot of perspective, too, because how hard are we on ourselves? Like, Doug, you were saying about feeling too big. You know, you have the idea that your body is you and you take up too much space. But really, you're just a consciousness. You're just embodying this shell. So if we can really separate ourselves from the idea that, you know, my thighs are too big or my hair is too thin or whatever it is and just say, this is just a vessel and I appreciate the vessel because my vessel is not me. Man, 
Yeah. What am I in? I'm just in this bag of meat. What is this? <laughs> by by the way, Shalice, interestingly enough, one of the things that is a pretty common occurrence for me when I'm tripping is that I, I feel bigger. I feel like I'm 10 feet tall. So I'm 6'5". I weigh 200 a lot of pounds. And <laughs> And so I'm, I'm in, I'm by nature kind of a large guy, but like when I'm tripping, I, I can, and I think that's kind of speaking to what you're talking about is that my entity or my, myself is not just my body. You know, it's, I'm not just like a wet robot or something like that, that, and so that's why I, and and because I do get real self-conscious and, you know, think about that. I'm, I'm getting even bigger and bigger and I'm, and so I get real self-conscious about like, God, I keep going back to, I'm just trying to be a good boy and not make anybody cry. So I'm just trying to like get little. Yeah. You're trying to condense yourself when really you should be expanding. So maybe that's your next intention for your ceremony is I want to expand to my full capacity and receive and give as much love as I possibly can. Oh man. I'd love to see you expanded, man. Yeah. I'm going to do it. In any way you want to take what I just said. Dude, I take I take that in all the best ways, Mike, and even some of the dirty ones. That's how I take it. Take it all in. Yeah. What am I in right now? I that's probably we we probably that's the name of this. Title. I know we're always trying to figure out the name of this episode is what am I in right now? I love the way you put that. I was like, yeah, what is what going am I, on? Here? Like, what, what am I in right now? Like a journey to your inner child or so I will yeah. Yeah. What am I in right now? And how do I just be a good boy? <laughs> Guys, can we just do this all the time? <laughs> yeah. This has been good for me. I was in a funk today. I was in a funk to the point where I was like, God, maybe I can cancel with them. I just don't feel, I just don't feel it. And this has been so therapeutic. I'm, I'm sorry. The two of you have been, uh, uh, devices for my therapeutic healing, but thank you for it. And I love you both for it, but man, this was perfect for me tonight and timing wise couldn't have come at a better time. Expand, uh, give yourself some fucking credit. Exactly. Expand. (laughs) Don't apologize for it because everything comes out right when you need it to. And we just were guided to say what we said to help you in your journey. And that's what it's all about. And the more that we resist something, when something comes up and we're like, I don't feel it, I'm not in the right space, that's exactly when you need to dive into it. So I'm really glad you didn't cancel. Yeah. And you know what? The world, you'll find the world isn't your mom crying on the stairs. We love it when you're just like more Doug. The world, everyone, the whole world will love that. Yes, I agree. And your mom loves it. Your mom loved it too. She was just feeling whatever she was, she was feeling her own shit at the time. You know? Oh, of course. And you know, she probably doesn't even remember that. And she probably just had a moment of being a young mother and trying to wanting to be her best and wanting to deal with some of her shit. And she's, I mean, my mom's awesome. I love, my mom is awesome, but it's to, to Shalice's point, like it's amazing the small little things that can happen to a child that have a deep and significant impact on their on the rest of their life, maybe, or the rest of their, you know, yeah. psyche. Well, even if you think about it, she, she had the exact same belief that you created in that moment. Her belief was I'm not a good enough mother because my boys are acting out. Oh, if wow. I could just be a good mom. And then you created the belief if I could just be a good boy. So you could even see like some of that was probably passed down genetically of 
trying to please or trying to be good enough, that worthiness. Oh, man. Yeah, now we're back to talking about ancestral and genetic trauma. I mean, that's a real thing. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I mean, I go give my mom a hug tonight, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I want to call my mom. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 not even just like woo woo stuff. Like it's actually proven genetic genetically speaking that you pass down traumas, you pass down emotional baggage. So it's not just saying, oh, that's probably true. No, it's absolutely true. And that's another reason why it's good to go in and get rid of the stuff that's not even ours. Mm-hmm. I think we should do a whole episode on ancestral trauma and epigenetics. and Yeah. Fun, guys. All right. It sounds like we're kind of getting like wrapping up a little bit, maybe. Shalise, that, that thing that you were talking about when I was talking about the cottage, what did you call it? I'm going to write it down so I can go look into it a little bit more. Uh, the elemental realm. No, it was, I wrote that down. It was before oh. that. Um, oh, it, the Akashic. It's spelled A-K-A-S-H-I-C. Akashic. Yeah, Akashic Records. Thank you. So, the thing to know about that, um, it sounds crazy, but I love it. It's one of those things that is mentioned in so many books from multiple different people, mediums, psychics, healers. Um, they've all been there and they all use it for guidance. And it's important to note that everyone sees it in a different way. So if you are trying to get there and you don't see a cottage, that's fine. (laughs) Like some people see it as a library. I've seen it different ways. Every time I've gone up, like one time it was just a giant spaceship. And then another time it was like, I was in Rome and there were all these pillars and I was going through this huge hallway. So, um, yeah, just being open to what you see. And some people don't see anything. Some people just see a black room and some people hear music and that that's their answers. You know, just being open and aware that whatever comes to mind is perfect. Uh, I, yeah, thanks again. I'm I'm red-faced from uh, dealing with some real emotional stuff while we were having that conversation. Yes. So This was fucking good, right? <laughs> so good. Oh. So I've had a lot of whiskey, but like it's been... <laughs> it's good it's good guys <laughs> Mike you killed me 